1: Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell.
0: Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the revenue generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell, and today we're going to discuss the importance of change management and sales and marketing alignment. Joining us is Matt Hines, who is the founder and president of Hines Marketing, which helps B2B companies sell stuff primarily by helping marketing teams embrace revenue responsibility and drive a predictable pipeline. And today, Matt and I are going to discuss sales and marketing alignment. Okay, here's my conversation with Matt Hines, the founder and president at Hines Marketing, Inc. Matt, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Doug. I I feel like most companies need an elevator pitch that is not all the language, but is the bar speak, right? You're in a crowded bar, you can barely hear each other, and someone shouts at you, what does your company do? like you need to have something that says we help companies sell stuff, right? You need to have some version of that that just really condenses it.
0: Matt, you took my opening comment out of my mouth. How dare you, right? I was just gonna make that comment. That is the best (laughs) company description I have read. Sorry for everybody else that's been on the show. I was delighted to be able to read it off. I have to tell you, it's excellent. You help companies sell stuff. Talk about a core value prop. Awesome. Okay, so Matt, we're not here today to talk about your amazing value prop, but hey, the audience can't see me. But folks, hopefully the mic picked up the sound of my head getting slapped by my hand. Matt, shut the front door. Marketing and sales are out of alignment.
1: How could this be? It's crazy, right? Like, who'd have thought of it? Well, yeah. And as a lifelong marketer, I will say that this is all our fault. This is marketing's fault because sales has been aligned around what matters forever. Like, sales literally focuses on the metrics you can buy a beer with. Marketing too often and too many marketing teams of this day focused halfway there like clicks, likes, retweets, even MQLs in most organizations are really just a vanity metric. And so if they're not aligned on the end goal of what you're trying to achieve, even if you're saying, well, leads are the means to to an end. Well, if they're not the right leads then they're not leading the revenue and that doesn't help the sales organization. So you're actually not aligned. So, and it's a different too, like if you've got, teams that are going to sales kickoff together and sort of singing kumbaya and saying like we all agree that revenue is important like strategically that sounds like alignment but give it the tuesday test like what does alignment look like on the typical tuesday morning a lead comes in intent signals are identified what happens then who gets that lead how do they get that lead how quickly do they get that lead does it go to the right person based on who's talked to that account before what do they say next right so hopefully it isn't some version of Thanks for downloading the white paper. Would you like to see a demo? It should be a little more nuanced than that. But like, what do they say? Where do they say it? Who writes that? I mean, you've got all these questions that at a tactical level really create that operational alignment. So no, I think this this creates a lot more complexity in terms of the way sales and marketing teams work together that many marketers have not been used to are not entirely comfortable with. But my goodness, does it unlock some amazing... Impact on just hitting your revenue number and doing it in a predictable and scalable way?
0: So, usually you hear it's me, not you, but what you're saying is it's marketing's fault, ultimately, right? So, this misalignment and the anchor I'm hearing from you, Matt, is the misalignment is initially on metrics. And I think you're giving that as an example, but you mentioned MQLs as a vanity metric. You're also saying here that sales is focused on the right thing, and that right thing, I would assume, is revenue. So let's take a step back before we dig in there, because that's the meat of the conversation I want to get to. Tell me how often you're finding that marketing teams think they're aligned and you come in there, Matt, this is your business and you come in and you're like, man, not even close.
1: Well, it's a maturity curve. And I think there's more companies that are starting to make their way towards the more mature side of this. But yeah, I mean, I would say the majority of companies we talk to and see, even the well-meaning ones, even those that talk the right talk, their teams are not necessarily following up on that, right? Like you'll have a CMO that talks about revenue responsibility and you'll have a digital marketing manager that's still generating the most possible leads at the lowest possible cost. You know, you'll have a discussion at the leadership team level about sales and marketing working towards pipeline contribution, yet the board still expects to see an up and to the right chart of lead volume and more is better in that case, right? And so, you know, if this is not, I know we'll talk about, you know, culture change and change management, but this is more than just changing your metrics and more than just sort of saying like, hey, we're focused on revenue now or we're no longer gonna prioritize the MQL. You have to change the way you operate. You have to change the nature of how these just these different teams work together at a strategic and an operational way. And that, that is not a fast and easy thing. So to be able to break it down, to, to do it in phases, to know that along the way, you're gonna hit speed bumps, that things are not gonna go well. There's gonna be two steps forward, one step back. But the data I've seen says that purely by making an effort, by starting to make progress, you will see better results. You you will be more likely to hit your revenue number. You will see better impact and better output from your collective efforts, even if it's not yet perfect. We've talked a little bit about metrics. Are
0: there other hallmarks for you, Matt, that are signs of red flags, if you will, of marketing organizations that just aren't aligned with sales and therefore not aligned to revenue?
1: Well, yeah, I would say that if you're coming to the table with entirely different dashboards, that's not a good sign, right? If you've got sales focused on pipeline and closed deals, and you've got marketing focused more on activities, you know, the marketing of more. If there is not a clearly defined ideal customer profile, right, that both teams agree to, that is not just anyone in healthcare over 200 employees. Like I'm talking, you know, in an addressable market, what's your ISP? And then what specifically are the characteristics or attributes? What are the psychographic indicators that tell you that some companies are more valuable than others in terms of likelihood to buy? And this isn't just a marketing exercise. Like too often marketers go and do that and sales just says, well, we'll just sell to whoever. No, alignment does go both ways. Yes, this has been historically marketing's fault. But if marketing steps up the table and starts creating some discipline around this, I want to see those two teams, sales and marketing, working more closely together. And it requires a level of two-way collaboration that is starting to exist in more, more companies, but we've got a long ways to go.
0: What impact is, I'm going to use two terms here to describe this broader spectrum. I'm going to say account-based selling or account-based marketing. Does that help bridge that gap or is it at least help sales and marketing teams uncover misalignment?
1: I think it has helped bridge the gap in that, you know, to do account-based well, it assumes that you are working more closely across the line between sales and marketing and more of the sales process. You're no longer just letting marketing on the top of the funnel and sales managers at the bottom. You're collaborating at more stages of that pipeline. You're also assuming a bigger buying committee. And so building consensus with that larger, more complex buying committee from the buyer's perspective requires a tighter coordination between sales and marketing channels and messages. So it's creating more urgency to drive that alignment, but it makes it harder, right? I mean, like I, I, I know many marketers that say, boy, do I pine for the days when I could put up a landing page, generate some webinar registrations, just throw them at sales, right? And there was just, it was just a linear progression. Well, I could argue that that never worked very well. And today it's just, you know, between buyers that are just better educated and don't want to have to deal with that, as well as just the complexity of most buying decisions and buying processes for B2B companies, it's counterintuitive. Like if you did that that way of marketing today, imagine you're selling into a large account. You know, someone new at the company downloads a white paper and that goes to some random sales rep who doesn't know anything about that company. And yet the rep sitting 10 feet away has been managing that deal for months, like it doesn't make you look very smart. And so all of a sudden, like lead routing, lead distribution, lead scoring starts to be really, really important with these larger deals. So we talked about ABS and ABM potentially
0: maybe helping bridge that gap. And, and you actually called out something that's typically the keystone for me, which is ICP or ideal customer persona or profiles mm-hmm. rather. That at least creates a bridging scenario between the two organizations. You mentioned something that you could step into as a marketing org, which is just to create your own ICP without collaboration from sales, right? Are there other examples of bridging activity that you see, Matt, that either creates the realization or starts solving that problem with misalignment between sales and marketing?
1: Well, I I think agreeing on who you should be selling to is one thing. I think agreeing at what point the sales need to get involved is another, you know, sort of what is a good lead, right? Like what activity constitutes a good lead? In the past, we've said hand racers, people that fill out a form, say they want something. Well, I could argue that maybe some of your best prospects have not been to your site, or maybe have not sort of downloaded much of your content, but you're you're observing externally available intent signals that tell you this is someone that is exhibiting pain that you know is the beginning of a buying process. They are seeing an erosion of a status quo on their end. And you've got information that can help them make sense of that. Like, even though they haven't filled out a form, isn't that a prospect you want to talk to? Okay, yes. But who's going to talk to them? Should that be a marketing message that goes out first? Should that be a salesperson that calls first? Like, there isn't a black or white, right or wrong answer to that. But what the right answer is to sit down together and say, what do we agree is a sales worthy lead? What do we agree is a lead at the right account that is worth sales engaging with. And not for, you know, to to schedule a demo, but to have the right next sense-making, trusted advisor kind of conversation. So I think that handoff is not a simple answer, and it's probably different for different situations. But having a playbook that you could operationalize, that everyone agrees on, is a great first start.
0: You know, I'm going to say that I'm a little surprised by the comment you just made, Matt, which is that, still a lot of organizations having trouble understanding, one, the value of a lead, right? Two, whose responsibility and how do you ultimately ensure that the lead as a buying signal makes it the right person? But also what's kind of buried in there is companies are still struggling with the fundamentals of their handoff between sales and marketing. And so that really surprises me. I feel maybe we're in a bit of a bubble in B2B SaaS, Matt, my company, do you find that still you're seeing that B2B SaaS? Is this something that you see in particular industries? or Are you saying this is still happening? This inability to get on the same page on something as simple as a lead is still happening?
1: I mean, increasingly, I think of this as the messy middle. You know, I think so many companies sort of invest in lead generation, invest in driving demand and are getting better and smarter at sales enablement. Once there's an opportunity thinking, here's the sales stages and here's the materials and tools and content that we're going to give the sales team to sort of help them close deals. But that middle area where like we've identified some demand and we have not yet qualified or converted them into an opportunity, it's still kind of the Wild West, right? Like, you know, you've got a BDR team. Who owns them? Sales versus marketing. What do they follow up with? How often do they follow up? Who? Which of the teams should get that? I mean, you get into the lead routing conversations. You get into the content conversations. It's not a simple answer and yet, so many companies are flailing and expecting just a focus on activity is going to solve the problem. You cannot out dial that messy middle. You have to be smarter and more precise at how you do it. I love that term, messy middle. I'm going to borrow that. Can I borrow that
0: from you, Matt? I don't have a copyright Yes. Do I need to? Go, do I need to have someone go
1: get a go register the URL real quick?
0: I'm going to borrow. I'm totally borrowing that. Audience, I'm taking that yeah. from Matt. Heard it here first. That's a great term. What about the buyer's journey? So I'm thinking, you know, Matt, in my head is what are the ways that marketing organizations can take bridging actions? We talked about ICP. The other one that occurs to me is the buyer's journey, creating a common understanding of the buyer's journey. Is that also
1: a good place to make that connection? I think it is. I think it is. So look, there's operationally developing the right integrations between sales and marketing, agreeing on definitions and process. But don't underestimate the impact of just perception and politics as part of this. What I mean by that is if we as marketers can admit that we have not been good at this, sales is going to say, yeah, we've known that for a while. Thanks. So how do you start to build credibility with that sales team? How do you show them that you're actually going to put, you know, process where your mouth is? One is to admit where you've been wrong. I mean, like say, listen, we realize we have sent you perhaps lower quality leads at, at, you know, while trying to get that up into the right chart that the board wants to see. And even though the board likes the chart, like we like clearly some of these are not our ICP targets. So our job is not to send you more leads, our job is to send you better opportunities, right? And so we're probably gonna reduce the amount you're gonna get, but we're gonna make sure you get those that are actually worth talking to that actually want to talk to you. So point out the places where you are going to stop doing work to allow sales to say, huh, They're starting to finally get it. What are you now bringing to the table that's going to make things better, right? And again, this may be a bit of a process. You may start trying to do that with a proof of concept group, regional or vertical group, you know, sales group to sort of show that it's working. But I think you're not going to get to press reset on the relationship. I think it really is important from an alignment perspective to know that you are digging out of a hole as a marketing organization and you're going to have to show proof to the sales team that you are doing it the right way. Once you start doing that, once they see you're making the decisions that are going to help them make more money, they're going to lean in, you'll start to get a little more momentum. Okay. So we've
0: landed on our collective swords. That imagery is always troubling for me, by the way. But marketing, we're saying, okay, it's us. It's us. How can sales help? What are some of the things that sales can do to make sure that they're there to meet marketing when marketing has that aha moment? Yeah. How can they help?
1: Well, if you're a sales leader, I would encourage you to come with a level of openness and humility to that conversation. I have seen, you know, account-based programs die before they get started because sales says, we'll define the list. Thank you very much. Right? And they either define it based on here's the biggest accounts we want to go after. Or here's the Rolodex our sales team has. So know that you may need to constrict your opportunities before you can expand your results by saying there are some of those bigger companies you don't, you shouldn't be at those like deeper variables of target accounts. If you do that right, you will start to eliminate large accounts from your target list because there are certain variables that don't exist that are gonna make them unlikely to buy. Unlikely to have the problem and unlikely to buy. So in many cases, it might be worth, it might be, you might be more likely to make your number by going after two smaller accounts that definitely have that situation in place than one larger account. And so like, you know, a lot of sales teams just say, no, we just need to go after the big deals. Not if they're not going to (laughs) buy, you know, just because they're big, just because they got a lot of money, just because they got the best logo doesn't mean that they are going to have the immediate problem you can solve. Right. So coming together to understand here is our true addressable market. Here's the percent of that market that we can sell to. And here is the list that's going to take some work and some, you know, some adjustments from both sides. And, And that's where I would expect sales to be willing to listen and be willing to adjust knowing and trusting that marketing is doing it so that they can help sell more.
0: Let's take it from the CRO's perspective here, Matt. They feel misaligned, right, Mm -hmm. with a marketing organization. What are some metrics they can look to to say, yeah, actually there is misalignment? What are some simple things they can go and be like, I don't know, lead conversions, opportunity value, pipeline efficiency? What are the things they can look at and be like, yeah, I have a sense we're misaligned and I'm showing that there is a direct result of that misalignment, and it is.
1: Well, look in arrears. I mean, all all these leads that marketing is generating, what percent of them actually come from the companies you can sell something to? Right. I mean, look in arrears and say, okay, like if if we are if we're generating these leads that we have no business talking to, but we're still asking sales to follow up with them, what's the opportunity cost of having them do that? Right. What's the opportunity cost of them spending time on that versus I don't know, cold calling like the right prospects, right? Even like, and by cold calling, I don't mean just calling and asking people for demos. I mean calling people with something of value, some sense making message, some new research that you come up with that can help challenge that prospect status quo. I mean, trying to get to the right prospect, you still might have a low conversion rate, but it's better than the zero you were going to get from that prospect that wasn't worth calling. So I, I think just pointing out and being comfortable, pointing out like the past is the past. Let's acknowledge the skeletons in the closet. I've literally seen some companies literally say, okay, you know what? We're declaring an amnesty day. Like we're going to get these teams together. What happened in the past is the past. Let's talk to each other about what annoys each other about what we do, your metrics, your bad lead follow-up. Let's just put it all on the table and say, today, starting today, we get better. We're still going to probably fall into bad habits every once in a while. But starting today, we are going to talk to each other. We're going to believe in each other. We're going to expect the other side has the best of intentions. And that is how we're going to operate. That is the culture we're going to have of this organization. Because if we don't do it together, we're all going to be looking for new jobs soon. That's
0: a really good point. And Matt, I think we're on the edge of a, another conversation. So I'd like to have you back on the podcast because we've edged up to this understanding that we have a problem. We're, but we're presupposing that this organization has recognized the problem. We try to give them hooks into to seeing what those problems are, but that's really the beginning of the journey. There's a bigger journey that arcs from there, right? So you recognize you have a problem, and I would love to understand, first of all, again, past diagnosis, how do you get people on the same page, and then how do you manage change as organizations start centering on more of a revenue-centric model? So will you rejoin me, Matt? I'd love to talk more. I would love to do that. All right, fantastic. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Matt Hines, the founder and president at Hines Marketing, for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Matt and I are going to talk about change management to become a revenue-centric organization. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Matt, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at Hines Marketing, or visit his company website at HinesMarketing.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, shame on you. Head over to the RevGenPod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on The Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't yet subscribed and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the week, week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.